Good morning. We are so happy to have you here. We open the doors to this building, and then once we are here, we open this book, the Bible. It has been that way since this local church started. We are committed to this practice continuing. We open the doors, and then we open the book. And this morning, I'm not going to begin by announcing the topic. I want you to figure it out as I read this brief collection of passages from the New Testament. As I read, and you are encouraged to follow in your Bible, consider what these passages have in common. What is the shared link these passages have? I think you'll see it very quickly. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, Jesus was among those men who became his first disciples. And in this early encounter, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In John 7, 37, Jews were gathered together for one of their feasts and Jesus stood up and cried, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Later in John chapter 21 in verse 12, Jesus said, Come and have breakfast. And this was after his resurrection from the dead. And one more example that you heard earlier this morning. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28, Come to me, Jesus said, All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> it may be that that last passage that Michael read earlier this morning was the concluding giveaway about what we're going to talk about. What these passages share in common. In each case, there is an invitation. Follow me. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And can you imagine what your response would be if Jesus said to you, Come and have breakfast. Then, of course, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what is Jesus telling us? I understand the primary theme here. <clears throat> Jesus invites people to come to him. But what else is implied? What else is Jesus teaching us? What example can be found in these passages? He is teaching us the power of personal invitation. The power of personal invitation. I have to tell you, I'm concerned that in our time we have either forgotten this or we just don't do it anymore. One of our goals at Laurel Heights this year is to get back to this very simple first step in evangelism. I want to talk to you about this this morning 
the power of personal invitation. It can be just this easy. You've seen these cards at the back. We printed these cards and you'll find them back in the lobby as you enter or leave. And on one side, there is the basic invitation for people to come. And then on the other side, there's an expanded invitation giving the recipient some idea of what we are all about. Let me tell you, we put these back there several months ago. The supply is not running low. Have you taken any? Are you giving these to people that you meet, people that you know? What is the power of a personal invitation? Now, understand that giving one of these cards to someone is not conversion. But it can become a step that leads in that direction. Invitations can spark interest. Invitations can start conversations. Invitations can assist you in learning about people to better serve them spiritually. I want us this morning to think about the power of personal invitations. And I have four things to say about the power of personal invitations. Number one, invitations are personal. We have a website, lhmacallen.org, and that website generates a lot of traffic. We have 20 to 40 page views a day. During events like our January meeting, the hits go up. The attention is elevated. The audio file recordings of sermons and classes generate interest throughout the week. And we hope someday to add live streaming. It is a part of our work and we're going to keep it. But it really isn't very personal. Visitors to the website are looking at a screen They're listening to a recording. They're getting information about our location and services. And all of that has value, but it isn't personal. When you are face to face with someone, handing them a card and offering them an invitation, that's personal contact. They see a person and not a screen. They may know something about you already. It's a personal connection that you're making about spiritual things. As you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, virtually on every page, Jesus is connecting with people. Not just crowds and audiences and His inner circle, but direct one-on-one contact with people. This comes out clearly in the Gospel of John. Can we do what Jesus did? In taking this direct interest in people, it can be a vital step in evangelism. The Apostle Paul wrote epistles. Those epistles were carried by people over distance of land and sea. 
to be received at the receiving end by people who needed instruction from God. And they would read those. But on many occasions, Paul expressed his desire to be with the people. One example is Colossians 2 and verse 1, where he said to those Christians, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face. Likewise, John in 3 John 14 said, I hope to see you soon and will talk to you face to face. Written communication has value. Our website is one way for people to see and hear what we are all about. But when you add this personal touch of handing someone an invitation face to face, that may be what sparks the interest of people who need to be here and listen to the message we are delivering. Invitations are personal. Invitations allow for follow-up. I don't know the names of the people who visit our website unless they communicate with me. When people visit here, we try to get a visitor's card so that we can follow up, but it isn't like a personal invitation that you initiate before their first visit. When you give someone the card and invite them, you open up a second opportunity to follow up and to ask about their interest to see if they have any questions. Not to be rude or critical, but just ask, have you considered my invitation? Or if the person has been here, can you tell me what you thought about what we're doing here and the message we are delivering? You can open a conversation after that initial invitation you've extended to someone. There's value in that. When the apostles and evangelists in New Testament times preached the gospel, they often stayed with the people after their initial contact in the best way they could. Sometimes they would go back later to follow up. In Acts 14, in verse 25 down to verse 28. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how they had, how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. The apostles sought personal contact with people and they were devoted to follow up. The Lord opened doors and they went through those doors and then they went back. In fact, in Acts 15 and verse 36, after some days Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of God and see how they are. That's follow up. Personal follow-up. When you invite someone for a Bible study in your home or to our services here, you have formed a relationship on the most important subject in the world. And thus, you have opened a door for follow-up. It must be more than just handing a card to someone. 
we seek to follow up and ask if we can help them in those matters that pertain to following Jesus Christ according to His Word. Invitations like we're talking about are not hindered by personal assumptions. Let me explain what I mean. We sometimes do not approach people with the gospel because we assume they're not interested. But I tell you, we are not that smart. And we are not prophets. And we are not good predictors of how people respond to the word. And sometimes we underestimate the power of the word. But there is that temptation to just assume someone is not interested and therefore put forth no effort. If we decide we're going to hand out these cards, we can do that without being hindered by our assumptions. We can use this method to push through those assumptions. We don't have to figure anything out about the person we're giving the card to. Just graciously hand them the card and invite them. No prospect test, no resume that you want to examine, no assumptions, just your conviction that the gospel is for everybody. Number four, invitations like this show your conviction. To people. Invitations like this show your conviction to people. I handed one to a man at HEB a few weeks ago, and immediately he looked at me and smiled and he said, Oh, you're a believer. I don't know if he will accept the invitation. God doesn't hold me accountable for what he does with it, but God wants me to extend invitations, and when I did, immediately he knew something about me. We connected on some level. When you invite people to study the Bible with you, when you ask people to come to services here, right there at that point, before anything else, you're telling those people something about you. About what you believe. And what you think is good for the world. And that in itself has value and glorifies the God we serve. So we're not asking you to bring 15 people to the building who have been taught and are ready to be baptized. We are urging you to apply effort to start conversations. And I will tell you, I can do better at this, and I must. All of us can do better. We must not just say, well... I'll contribute to a treasury and we will maintain a website. What can we do more? What can we do better? And giving someone one of these invitation cards may be just what God will use to get people started on their journey into His Word and into Christ and to heaven. I take you back now to that invitation the Lord gave when He said, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the ultimate invitation. We want to use our invitations to take people to. Jesus said, come to me. I want to make it clear, when we invite people to Bible study or worship or a private study of Scripture, we are not asking them to follow us or just attach themselves to a group or come to a building. Ultimately, we want to lead people to Christ. That's our ultimate purpose in issuing these invitations. God has given us that charge to talk to people about Him who is gentle and lowly in heart. And the people we know and speak to from day to day need what Jesus has to offer, rest for their souls. And then let me add, when people accept our invitations and they come here, they need to see in us this gentleness that was perfectly exhibited by Christ. When visitors arrive here, they need to be warmly welcomed. They need to see in us that we care. The lobby and the auditorium ought to be a place where people get the impression that these people are excited about something. They have something to offer. They have an interest in proclaiming the gospel for my benefit. They need to get the impression that we are followers of the one who said, Come to me, and I will give you rest. Finally, I want to say to us who are charged to take the gospel to the lost, that there is the danger, the deadening influence over time of doing nothing. There is a danger, the deadening influence over time of doing nothing. If I never make any effort to tell people about the Lord, if I never invite anyone to listen to the gospel, if I do nothing, there is a numbing, deadening spirit that can overtake me. Can you do more? than you're currently doing to take the gospel to some center you know? Can you invite someone to study the Bible with you? Read the Bible with you? I believe we can do better. I know that I need to do better. I saw this the other day, written by a gospel preacher. We'll never get others to see the joy of claiming Christ until we get ourselves to see the joy of proclaiming Christ. If you're here this morning and you haven't obeyed the gospel, your response to God is essential if you want to go to heaven. If you've heard the message that we deliver here and you believe in Jesus Christ, if you're willing to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, <clears throat> you can be baptized today to arise to walk in a new life. We hope that will be the case with you. You'll make that choice now as we stand together to sing.